Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for listening and making commitments to your learning. We sincerely hope that you are doing well. Um, I am one of your hosts, Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined by the lovely Jordan Porter. Hi, girl. Hello. Hello. I think I have the right microphone on today. Oh, well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) If you have no idea what Jordan's talking about, uh, last week we realized at the end of the episode that her really cool mic uh, was not recording, that it was just mm-hmm. her computer <laughs> recording, and it got bad. Yeah, I checked it a couple times, so I'm like, okay, I think yeah. we're good. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully this week um, everything's good. We don't have any issues that we have to worry about. There's no hurricanes planned. No, nope, it's a nice day. Cats, small children won't make. I won't knock on my desk this time. <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> yep. Um, so this week we we don't have a ton of shout outs because we just I think we just recorded, so we don't have um, a lot. But we wanted to just do some quick mentions of things that are happening right now, which are which are kind of exciting with with all the COVID things that are going on. A little bit of excitement's good. Um, so we are recording on May 11th. So the day before this episode goes out and we just wanted to share a couple of CEs with you guys, because I feel like some of you may have some extra time for it. Uh, first of all, the vet med team online CE with Liza Rudolph, it's the small animal internal medicine. I think it's more than skin deep part one and part two. Did you take that one? Yeah, I took part one. I'm still waiting to take part two, but yeah, I I, I took part one when I was studying for my boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part two wasn't available at that time, and it just kind of recent more well, more recently became available. <laughs> yeah, it was available when I was doing my studying and stuff, okay. but I just I haven't. I, since then, I've gotten so busy. Like, right. I'm just right. But uh, yeah, the, at least part one, since we've both done part one is, is awesome. And Liza is awesome. We, she's, she's a a fellow VTS in our Academy and very smart lady. And so if you um, are interested in doing some online CE and it's a good number of credits actually. um, Yeah. I think it's like 18. Yeah. Something, something pretty ridiculous but happy ridiculous yeah um and it's it's great especially if you're thinking about getting your vts it's a really good um foundation for studying um and And she helps like with like how you should write things out it's really great yeah yeah it was super helpful when i was working on my application actually so yeah same (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh great yeah you're part of you're part of the academy so you understand yeah well that and like she would like she would reply with like comments about like how to reword things or how to just do things Mm. and so i would copy and paste all of her things and i kept them in a little file for like bts help (laughs) for my application i was like i'm using this thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good point yeah and um 
the other thing too, like if you guys are, if anybody is planning on applying for the Academy, we just, um, cause Jordan and I are both on the executive board. So we'll say that first. Uh, we just put out, um, kind of a statement that normally, um, we really limit the amount of online CE we, mm -hmm. we prefer and when, okay. When I'm saying we, at this particular moment, I'm talking about, um, the Academy for internal medicine for vet techs. Um, so not this podcast, <laughs> there is a distinction, but when the, the Academy put out a statement saying that we can do more online CE, um, because previously it was limited. So now they're allowing that just because so many of the can um, conferences have been canceled, including ACUIM, which is, which is our big conference. Um, mm -hmm. And to kind of go along with that, uh, ACBM, they announced that they will be online this year, which is pretty yep. awesome. So if anybody had planned on going to ACBIM, I think they're working on how to transfer some of the registration costs to online if that's what you prefer, or you can get a refund. So they're, they're working on that. Um, and I think Jordan's still waiting to hear <laughs> whether or not her lectures will be online. I think they're, it's so, yeah, everything's changing right now, but, but they're working on that. Um, another thing that we wanted to mention is, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the recover initiative. Um, they, uh, do CPR training, which is kind of amazing. Uh, you can start with the online and then move to in-person CPR training. They have a discount code right now for doing their, um, online education. So if you, if you are familiar with them, uh, definitely check them out. There is a coupon code. Uh, I believe they posted it in a couple of Facebook groups, but if you did not receive a coupon code and you would like it, let us know. We can, we can share it with you. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they'd appreciate us sharing the coupon code online, um, on the podcast. So, but we can, if you message us, we can, we can definitely get it for you. Um, and I don't know how long it's good for. I know we just checked it's, it's valid right now. So let us know and, and we can definitely share with you the, the coupon code, um, to get the discount on that. And I think Jordan, you said you did the recover CPR, right? Yes, I did. And I just got my online like recertification. So I just, I need to do the in-person stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely send us a message and we'll, we'll let you know about the, the coupon. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going right on now. for. Yeah. It's valid. Like currently as we are recording this, but. And then, um, kind of along the lines of ACVIM and AMVT, um, AMVT just sent out some, uh, face masks to members. I can't wait to get mine. I haven't, I haven't gotten it yet. I'm, I'm waiting for it, but I've seen that other members of our Academy have mm -hmm. gotten it. It's, I got mine a few days ago. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kept, I kept going to my mailbox for it and I'm like, it's not here yet. <laughs> um, but it, it was a nice surprise that, uh, Linda thought up of, and then we were like, heck yeah, that would be awesome. So yeah. if, if you are a member of the Academy, definitely be on the lookout for, for your mask, which is, is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a weird time that like, that's something that we can like gift now. It's weird. <laughs> We're gifting you a face mask and everybody really likes it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no other, no other housekeeping you can think of. This is like going to be the shortest intro we've ever done. Right. Cause we didn't go off on any other like tangents. Not yet. Right. Not yet. Knock on wood. Well, I can't cause no, the dogs don't, bark. Cause the dogs bark. <laughs> All right. Well this week, um, we are continuing our respiratory and we're, we're doing lower airway. Um, so we figured we'd do, it's interesting. Cause when I was reading it, it's almost like it's, it's like the dog version versus the cat version of bronchitis. So there's canine kind of chronic bronchitis and then there's feline asthma, which is interesting because, um, I I can't remember if it was the small animal internal medicine book or if it was Merck's manual, but they basically said feline asthma was feline bronchial disease, which I thought was interesting. So yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So really these are kind of two sides of the same coin, which was, which was pretty cool when, um, when I was researching it, like I, I think I knew it, but I didn't put the two together. If that makes sense. So when we're talking about canine chronic bronchitis, so this is a daily cough for more than two months that does not have an identifiable underlying cause. So it's, it's just, I know this sounds weird, but it's not secondary to anything. It's kind of like, that's the primary is the bronchitis. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's not cancer infection, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then feline bronchial disease or feline asthma is kind of the same idea, chronic cough greater than two months. And this could be, it can be sporadic. It doesn't have to be daily for asthma. Um, kind of like with people, you know, some things will make it flare versus others, but it's, it's bronchial constriction and then that airway inflammation. So you have the itis, right? (laughs) Which causes sometimes wheezing, coughing, and respiratory distress. And a lot of times these um, cats will come in with some sort of respiratory distress, coughing, or chronic hairballs. I'm surprised at how many cats whose own the owners say, oh yeah, they have chronic hairballs, but when you like, you kind of have them record it and you watch it, it's actually a cat coughing. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they're coughing so hard. They almost like make themselves vomit. Right. I think we talked about that. Yeah. We talked the, about that in the not normal vomiting episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say uh, episode three, three. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. The, there's no, no such thing as, as regular cat vomiting. Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> and so when we're talking about, about bronchitis, whether it's dog or cat, basically what happens is you have chronic inflammation um, that's this cycle of injury and repair, injury and repair. And it, you have that happen so many times, you actually end up with permanent like scar tissue and damage to the bronchioles and the lungs. And then it it like self-perpetuates, right? There's more injury and then more repair and more injury and more repair. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about kind of how to, how to break that cycle. But, um, so that's kind of the definition of bronchitis. So bronchial inflammation, and then you've got coughing, wheezing, respiratory distress that are kind of part of that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that when we're talking about this kind of coughing, the, the, it, 
in dogs especially, it really is a differential diagnosis of exclusion. Mm -hmm. So we need to rule out things that cause, cause coughing in dogs. So heart failure or heart disease, um, infectious things like lungworm, heartworm. Um, and then, you know, I think we talked about it in the pneumonia issue or mm -hmm. a pneumonia uh, podcast that, um, you know, bacterial, fungal, viral, viral. How was the other mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Um, cancer, right. And make sure that our coughing is not because there's masses in the chest and then pneumonia that that's kind of the inflammatory lung. Yeah. And we do that by just trying to identify bronchial inflammation and you can do that different ways. We, we discussed radiographs, three view thoracic radiographs are right lateral, left lateral and VD or DV. Your bronchoscope can be helpful with your BLA wash. And then of course, cytology, whether that be an aspirate, if there is a specific lesion, except for mind you, if you're doing a bronchitis, there shouldn't be a lesion. You can just aspirate. You're going to get that cytology off of a BAL. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, we usually do our cytology on the BAL to look yeah. for, you know, do we see a bunch of inflammatory cells? Mm -hmm. Do we see, um, what type fungus, of inflammatory cells parasites, and all that stuff? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think your diagnostics in this are going to be pretty similar to like our pneumonia episode. Mm-hmm. We talked about the technician skills that we can use there. Main importance of like tech skills handling one of these patients is just trying to prevent respiratory distress. So you want gentle handling. Um, you want to recognize cyanosis. You want to just really be sure that you are able to comfort the pet and not stress the pet out, especially when taking things like radiographs and stuff like that, because that can severely compromise yeah. their stress levels and then severely compromise their respiratory function. Yeah, I've had a couple of patients that have severe chronic bronchitis mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we're doing flow by oxygen yep. and, and we're just trying to get the x-rays done as safely and quickly as possible Yeah, um, because the longer they're on their back or, you know, whatever position it is that's just uncomfortable. And um, I, I've taken some x-rays that were horrible. I'm like, mm -hmm. it, they're crooked. And I tell my doctor that that's as good as we're going to get because I don't the want to stress. stress out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So sometimes my doctors are like, yep, we get what we get. I mean, obviously we try to get the best x-rays we possibly can, but sometimes. Um, and sometimes it's one of those things though, too, where you do just kind of let them up and take a break in between each film. So mm -hmm. instead of your films taking two and a half minutes to get because you're just rolling the patient over. It's taking you 10 minutes because you need to let them, you get your right lateral and then you need to let them reoxygenate and calm down a little bit. Um, especially those brachycephalic breeds that make everything more difficult. Yeah. And of Ugh. course, you know, if they're cautions, <laughs> um, yeah, you can't put a muzzle on them. Muzzle them. <laughs> yeah. So I was gonna say I've used e-collars. Um, yeah. Basket muzzles aren't e too bad. Yeah. Some basket, it depends on the dog. Sometimes some dogs freak out for the basket muzzles, yes. depending on how much, like how big they are at panting, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, but e-collars are, are really good, especially for your brachycephalic things. Mm -hmm. Or a muzzle like the pugs hit that's anyway. trying yeah. to like kill you. You're like, okay, well you get an e-collar now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, oh, cats. Uh, for cats, especially with asthma, 
you know, you kind of, you do the best that you can. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like giving them flow by oxygen just because Mm -hmm. it can distract cats too. Oh yeah. (laughs) They're like, what is blowing in my face? You're like, just breathe in the oxygen. We do have those, we have those nice cat muzzles that like are like that hard or firm plastic. the, The black ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can still open that. Well, mind you, we don't want our cats open mouth breathing, but they still have room to like, it's not pressing on their face and constricting, yeah. their, like pushing down on their nose, like some of those fabric ones do. Yeah. Um, and it allows them to still kind of have room without something really touching on their face. So they don't stress out as much. Yeah, I've used e collars on cats. The other thing I started using kind of recently, um, which is, it's, it, again, it depends on how bad the cat is. Um, but I use like a, a towel, like a small towel kind of rolled up. And then I like put that almost like a cervical collar kind of thing where I'm not scruffing them, but I use the collar to cut or the collar, the towel around their neck to just kind of help keep them in place. And most of the times, you know, it's not putting pressure on them, but it's like keeping them from moving and it's distracting them. So um, it's kind of interesting. And then with x-rays, so for dogs, um, they'll see like this, you know, different alveolar lung patterns. Um, and, and you can see sometimes the inflammation, um, with cats, especially with, with asthma, you can see the lungs look hyper inflated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's interesting because once you kind of figure out how to see it and you've seen it a couple of times, you go, Oh, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, you may not see changes on x-rays for an asthma cat, especially if they're not having an asthma attack right? Yeah. If, if they're not, then, then their lungs may look normal, but if they're suffering from the, the inflammation and stuff like that, you may see it. Um, well, I think that's one of those things though, too, where, you know, how we see cases where it is like a chronic cough, but we don't have any chest films from when they were healthy. <laughs> so you yeah. don't know what their normal is. Um, I know when I was in GP, we tried to do like annual exams that included like they had the option of like level one annual exam level two level three and like Mm. level three would include normal chest films so that way either you could catch something super early if something was developing yeah or if something did develop later down the road you had a normal to compare to i don't think that's utilized enough yeah that's actually you know the practice i was at we didn't do that yeah. We didn't have like x-rays as part of our normal screening, but that's, that's a smart thing to talk to your practice about is having yeah. like the options be like, Hey, here are your different, you know, your different packages, I guess mm-hmm. is a better way to say it. Like your gold standard package would be, you know, a full blood screen, including yep. like a thyroid, a urinalysis. Yeah in your full chem CBC lights. Yeah, exactly. And Cause we all talk about how like, yeah, it's important to see like a normal. So like you mm-hmm. have your pre-anesthetic blood work and stuff like that, but like you have a five-year-old cat who, you know, yeah, nothing's wrong and they're just in for an annual vaccine. And yeah, you don't want to tell the client that they're likely going to have something go wrong when they're older. Cause you don't know that, but 
if even if it's once every other year that you're just trying to like yeah. update some chest films, see what their heart looks like or see what their kidneys look like yeah. on X-rays, like yeah, it's I, a good idea to try. I to- was gonna say the the heart thing. I, I we have a cardiologist that works in my building, and I'm surprised at the quote unquote incidental chest X-rays that the heart's huge and like there's no murmur and there's no cardiac symptoms and signs. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh, your heart's giant. You know, there's something going on. And then they have the cardiac workup and and they do have underlying heart disease that no one picked up on because again, they didn't hear a murmur or they didn't see coughing or, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, that's, it's smart. You can, you can have those different levels, um, in your GP of, of how to do some preventative things. Um, yeah. Especially if you have like, you know, whether your clinic has an insurance or a plan kind of thing, or the pe- patient itself has insurance um, because it can, it, most insurances will cover things like this, especially, you know, looking for, looking for some of the, the diseases that we worry about. So the other, the other thing, especially specialty and internal medicine that we do is the bronchoscopy. So, Mm -hmm. um, bronchoscopy is a visual exam. I, uh, bronch BALs with cats scare the bejeebus out of me. Um, I've definitely had a patient not make it through a procedure. Um, so um, actually not make it through recovery actually. Um, because unfortunately what happens with cats, like if you've already got that inflammation and bronchoconstriction, um, cats are just sensitive. And so, you know, having a scope go into them plus, you know, getting saline in there and getting that back. I mean, that's, you've already got inflammation going on that can definitely cause, um, bronchospasm and bronchoconstriction mm-hmm. further. Um, so we want to be very careful with, especially with our cat patients. Um, I feel like not only can we not have an E-tube in them while we're doing our bronch, um, they're cats. They can do they can do whatever they want. Right. Um, yeah. So we always pre-treat with terbutaline. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. So we, we do pre-treat with terbutaline and I think my doctor just changed the protocol. It used to be that we would pre-treat anywhere from, you know, 15 minutes to half an hour before the procedure. So we just do a sub Q dose of terbutaline. Um, but just this last week or two, she said she read somewhere probably JVIM or, you know, ACVM or VIN or something, um, that they recommend actually doing two to four hours before the oh, bronc, um, to really let the turbutaline kick in. That's yeah. a, that's a really good idea. Just for cats or for dogs too? Uh, specifically cats. Um, yeah. you can definitely pre-treat dogs with it, but I feel like they don't have the same bronchospasm yeah. constriction that cats do. Um, Cause we had a, so we had a patient, we even pre-treated with turbunaline and it still happened. Um, where at the end of the procedure we were done, she was recovering and then her, she had bronchospasm 
And it was literally like we intubated her and it was the craziest thing because we couldn't, we couldn't get air into her chest Weird. because her bronchioles had spasmed and closed off. Um, and so like pushing, we, we, like, it felt like pushing like a closed tube. Like it was, it was the craziest thing ever. So unfortunately she didn't she didn't make it <laughs> um and that's the only time it's happened but it was early on in my bronching career that i'm scarred for life because that's right <laughs> <laughs> um but you know we, we can when we're doing these exams on cats you know you can see the inflammation mm-hmm. you can see like the um the the bronchi and you're not getting down to the alveoli but the bronchioles and stuff like that you can see them and they look inflamed and, and they'll have mucus covering them. They'll, the, they'll be narrowed. Um, have you seen mucus plugs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can get mucus plugs if you've got them intubated, right? So that's yeah. thing. It's gross. Um, and you can see some airway collapse if, um, especially yeah. if they've got asthma because oh, yeah, yeah. the pressure can make things, it's just, yeah does all sorts of crazy things um but pre-treating with turbuline and then we usually do 10 to 15 minutes as long as they're tolerating it of flow by oxygen yeah at a time oh yeah 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 and we usually try to have as many hands on deck as possible (laughs) definitely those procedures are just kind of sketchy in general they're so fast fast. yeah (laughs) yeah so so we usually have so so we have our doctor we have we try to have one technician who's running anesthesia and then we'll have like one person restraining the cat or dog, depending on what we're doing. Um, and then another technician, this is like deal situation, another technician who's like pushing the saline through the bronch. Yeah. Flash holding oxygen through the bronch. Um, just to try to make it so it's as quick as possible. Cause Again, you're in their airway. <laughs> and you're putting fluid in it. Yes. Sterile yeah. fluid. Yeah. Oh, and this is something too, just to make sure, because I didn't realize this at first. You want to use sterile saline that does not have a preservative in it. Yes. Um, so you're not using the sterile saline in a regular saline bag that you would give IV because that has a preservative in it. Yep. You want to do like the um, saline bottles that you use for like lavaging. Yeah. yeah. And then there's other special tests too. Um, cause mycoplasma infections can make respiratory issues worse. So we do, t- there's a blood test for that. I believe it's serum. It's been a while since I've, we usually add it onto our cultures cause we usually do aerobic, anaerobic fungal, mm-hmm. and then we add on a mycoplasma to our yeah, fluid sample that we're culturing. Yeah, that's a good idea too. But I do think there's a blood test for it. Like if that, if that's something so, yeah. that like the people don't want to do a BAL, we'll do yeah 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 um and then mycoplasma can do what it wants definitely (laughs) so kind of moving into treatment we do have hospitalization versus outpatient care because some of these patients do come in respiratory distress Mm -hmm. and we need to Mm -hmm. stabilize them before we can just be like here's your meds go home um (laughs) and uh, because i don't know if you've ever i mean everybody should have had one of those panic moments now that a lot of people are wearing masks where you feel like you can't breathe. <laughs> mm. And so you do panic a little bit and you, you just, 
I feel for my patients now who can't breathe. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I feel like a bulldog. I'm just like, I right? can't breathe. I'm going to breathe through my mouth now. Yay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can kind of treat, I mean, you're going to treat in-house and out kind of the same way, but the only reason why we keep our patients hospitalized is because they're not stable enough to be like out of oxygen. <laughs> yeah. I was to say, if they're in respiratory distress, you know, they're in, we have the Snyder oxygen tank. Mm -hmm. So if they're in respiratory distress, that's where they go. Um, Yeah. So some of our hospitalized patients, we do keep like mildly sedated. A lot of times we use like twerp just because that's a good sedative and it works well for cough as well. Mm. Um, Some severe cases can get acepromazine just, but you know, being that I work in internal medicine, we don't use acepromazine very often and we use such a small amount for our patients. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like we, we dilute yeah. it down to one mg per mil instead yep. of the 10 mg per mil. And then mm-hmm. we do like 0.1 of that. So I'm like, right. yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, I think I use, um, acepromazine usually for my, um, collapsing trachea dogs that yeah. work themselves up or larvars. Yeah. Or LARPARS. Exactly. They've just totally worked themselves up. They've put them into themselves into respiratory distress. Mm-hmm. Plus all of that harsh breathing and, you know, whatever else are barking, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's causing more inflammation. So we just need them to be sedated. Yeah, exactly. Ace some Torb and get some oxygen in. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. for our, like, um, asthmatic cases or uh, mm-hmm. bronchitis cases. We'll do a lot of like anti-inflammatories with our glucocorticoids. We usually do that long-term. That's a, that's typically long-term though. So we'll kind of switch to, we'll start with <clears throat> oral steroids, but for long-term therapy, we do try to do like a local steroid with like an inhaler um, and fluticasone or Flovent is a brand name is the most common thing that we use. Um, Cause so if we can, I think we only stick with pred if it's like super severe and then we'll kind of try to taper off pred and yeah. then switch to flow vent. Yeah, we use we'll we'll start with we'll start with prednisone just to kind of mm-hmm. get it under control. Yeah. And then, and then if, you know, depending on how they respond to that too, especially depending on how they respond once you're tapering. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? If you've started tapering, like they're doing great, you're starting the taper and then you get below a certain point and it just kind of like they start back up again. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, and now we're going to have to do some sort of inhaler and get it because we don't want all the systemic effects. Right. Yes, from- exactly. Which is the great thing oh, about right. inhalers is that like inhaled steroids don't have that PUPD panting and, and yeah. waking side as effects much. like as much. I've definitely had a couple of them that that still had it and we're like, Ugh, okay. However, the inhaler is kind of hit or miss. Like it's, it's one of those things where, because we use it on dogs and cats and mm-hmm. we use the arrow dog or arrow cat, which mm-hmm. is sold on Amazon. But it's one of those things where like, if putting that on your pet, your pet's face or your patient's face causes them to stress out and just mm-hmm. negates the effects of what you're trying to administer, then we tell clients not to do it or we won't do it in hospital because they're just stressing out and panicking over it versus actually like just inhaling in the, the medication we're trying to administer. Yeah. And, and we kind of, um, we kind of talk to our clients about introducing it slowly to, mm-hmm. um, maybe not using the chamber 
and the inhaler at the same time or putting like a treat in the chamber so that they're not they're not always associating the chamber with you know the worst thing on the face of the planet yeah holding um, their face still for five seconds yeah. 10 seconds <laughs> um and you can use like the the arrow dog or the arrow cat um you can use like the anesthetic mask you can attach mm -hmm. that to it instead of they have like this thing that goes on it but i feel like that's the part that usually freaks dogs and cats out the most is like the yeah the face mask. mask part that gets attached to it um but and and you can you can also get those anesthetic masks on mm -hmm. Amazon, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah, I'm like so, what do people need that for? <laughs> I'm like what what is going on? But I think it is exactly for this. It's it's to use with like the Arrow Dogger or Arrow Cat, and I and there are other brands as well. But I feel like that's kind of the the spacing chamber that we recommend the most. Um, yeah. And, and and I'll put um, I know we put the Nebulizer handout in the Tech Treasure Trove. I'll look for um, the inhaler handout that I have and see if I can get it and, and upload that too. But, um, and the other thing too about fluticasone, I don't know about you, but um, it can be pretty pricey. So expensive. It's like $200 for one inhaler. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it depends too on how many puffs they need. Cause they usually it's like one to two puffs, mm -hmm. one to two times a day. Um, if you can get the generic one, that's best. Um, cause flow vent is expensive. Um, I've, I've not that I recommend it, but I have had clients go to pharmacies online that mm -hmm. may not be USA approved. <laughs> Um, so if you live in other countries, it's not as big of a deal, but if you live in the United States, it, it can be pretty pricey. Um, so that's just something because again, if you're in the United States, you can't recommend some of these online pharmacies because they're not regulated by the FDA. Yep. So hopefully you guys can read between whatever lines I am drawing for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it can be pretty pricey and remember like using goodrx.com um, yeah. to, to find a pharmacy that's less expensive. Um, and, and you know, clients can get their medications where they want. So, you know, doing like a written script can help quite a bit with that too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the other big thing, we kind of touched about it, uh, or touched on it in the bronchial part, but bronchodilators. So it, they're great for cats, um, in dogs. It's interesting because the literature says that it may not be effective for dogs, but in retrospect, they see that maybe it is, it's, it's very strange. So anyways, they say it's not for every patient and they're unsure of the effectiveness. So I know that sometimes we'll just do a trial of it to see if it works. And it's usually used in conjunction with our glucocorticoid or our steroids. Um, and this is theophylline, terbutaline, which is, those are oral medications. Um, and then albuterol, which is inhaled. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so like a lot of times we'll have, um, like in our crash cart, we have an albuterol inhaler in our crash cart just for patients that potentially need that bronchodilator quickly. Um, but basically what it does is it relaxes the smooth muscles 
and hopefully helps open up those airways. Um, so it's not, it's not an anti-inflammatory, but it helps open up the airways and, and dilate them, right? Bronchial dilation. Um, those are good drugs to prescribe to our patients. Yeah. Um, the doctor's prescribing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then our antitussives, we do recommend it for these kind of cases versus in our pneumonia episode, we talked about how we didn't, it wouldn't be recommended to do antitussives. Um, and this is just for chronic non-productive coughs. Again, mm-hmm. keyword is kind of non-productive coughs. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you want to reduce the coughing to reduce inflammation, but there's nothing that they need to like get up and out of their lungs. Well, there probably is a little bit of mucus down there, but it's not like pneumonia where you want to get that bacteria or fungus or whatever you have going on in there out. But I feel like that mucus is like a reactive to yeah. all the like inflammation. inflammation that's happening because again, it's like you're coughing, you're coughing, you're causing trauma, trauma, trauma. And then it's the, trying to the like soothe. Reactive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, the antitussives. So this is a, I, I feel like most commonly we do a lot of hydrocodone. Yeah. Us too. Um, and then butorphanol sometimes, mm-hmm. torb tabs. Um, Serenia has an off-label use. Yeah. Yeah. Serenia has. Meropotent. Sorry. A trip. Meropotent citrate or just Serenia. Which I have seen it. I mean, it has worked for some of our patients where like. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it work, which I I was like, holy moly. But I feel like if you're using it for that, it's, it's pretty expensive. Right. Like I, a four pack is, is expensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like some of these other medications are not as expensive. Yeah. But versus hydrocodone. hydrocodone yeah. Hydrocodone and Torb, they're less expensive, but they're controlled substances. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have your chains on either yeah, one. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, like lean body weight's pretty important. We all should be aware that like your overweight dogs are going to struggle with this more. So your chunky pugs. Mm-hmm. who have chronic bronchitis are really going to struggle more because the more weight their lungs can't inflate as, as well as they normally would. And then you throw in coughing and it, it just makes for harder control of our symptoms and our disease. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I've seen like the chunky uh, Yorkies too. Not only do they have collapsing trachea, but they've also got bronchitis on top of it and they're chunky or just like, ah, it's a recipe for horrible breathing. Um, but yeah, the, it, 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 and again, it's a touchy subject with clients too. Like you have to sometimes approach them very nicely <laughs> about weight loss and their pets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well that, and like, so even like kind of moving on to the next one, approaching them about like environmental control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you about the environmental control because depending on what it is, right? If we're talking about smoke, I'm guessing that's the, the biggest one. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's one of those ones where we've had those conversations where I'm like, mm, cigarette smoke can harm your dog and yeah, or your cat. And like, when it they come can in, cause just asthma. Like, like it, and you're just like, oh, well, I know, I know like, why. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because you do have to be gentle about talking to a client and being like, Hey, please don't smoke around your pet because that is setting off their airways. Um, so I feel like the smoke one is definitely the hardest one. 
dust is also a big thing. So same with like people, like how we're allergic to dust and dust mites. Dogs and cats can be allergic to people. <laughs> so dust, dust in your house, if you don't know this already, is mostly dried skin cells. <laughs> which is gross can we move on well i'm just saying like like, if your dog or cat is like allergic to it and they're breathing in your skin cells that can make them more so dusting cleaning um hepa filters can be good you want to make sure you don't have aerosol sprays so um hairspray or febreze or you know stuff that you spray in the air can, can potentially set them off yeah, same um, with your diffusers and stuff too. So like the ones yeah. that plug into the wall, I have a wonderful diffuser that I actually got for Mother's Day yesterday. Mm-hmm. That um, it's like my essential oil diffuser, but the dogs aren't in the room with me right now, and none of my dogs have respiratory issues. Knock on wood. Well, and and you have to be careful with some diffusers because there are some oils that are yes. actually toxic to dogs and cats. So again, if you've got an animal with respiratory stuff. You want to minimize this stuff. Um, make sure it's safe for them um, because it can trigger them and make it worse, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, like we, I know when, well, not only just with cigarette smoke, but regular smoke, um, we don't have very many days around here where we can have fires in our fireplaces. Um, so we don't deal with that as much, but um, during so a couple of years ago when we had all the fires in California and there was just so much smoke in the air, almost every single one of our chronic bronchitis patients were just having flare ups. And so we were, you know, having to deal with that for these patients. So, you know, sometimes like looking at pollen counts, looking at whatever in your environment that sets people off is also going to set dogs and cats off. So that's a really good thing to remember too. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important to talk to clients about whenever you're doing your like discharge, like what to expect at home. Like you want them to look and see what they have in their house that could potentially set them off. Mm-hmm. Um, if you send them home with an inhaler, you want to talk to them about introducing it slowly, adding in treats um, and just kind of moving slow is the best way to go at first. Mm-hmm. And then of course your long-term goals of just trying to manage all those symptoms yeah. And, um, one place I looked was, um, the human <laughs> allergy and asthma website, and they were talking about keeping a journal. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's a little different for people than for dogs and cats. Cause we can't be like, excuse me, do you feel like your chest is tight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you can keep a journal that, that says, you know, oh yeah, they coughed like twice this week and the pollen count was blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, uh, Aunt Susie came over wearing all of her perfume and set off my cat. <laughs> so you can, you can kind of start to keep a journal to see, you know, what sets them off or if a particular medication works or, you know, how frequently am I having to give the inhaler versus, you know, this is a good week. We don't have to do the inhaler as much. So um, client communication is key. And I think the biggest thing too, when we're talking long-term is understand that, that a lot of times this is a quality of life thing, because most of the times, if you've got a chronic bronchitis pet, that that's tissue damage in the lungs has already occurred. So 
most of the times it doesn't go away. Um, and so we have to, we have to talk about, okay, so the tissue damage isn't going away. How do we deal with long-term just understanding, you know, we want them to be as comfortable as possible. We're probably not going to fix it unless there's some underlying thing that we can, but most of the times it's management versus fixing, if that makes sense. And I think follow-up too, I think Jordan's really good, probably better than I am at this, um, about just following up with our clients and yeah. uh, checking in with them and say, how's it going? Did you, did you get the air chamber or air, air chamber, <laughs> the, uh, spacing chamber, like the arrow dog, you know, is it working? How's it going? Do you need help with like, you know, do you need a refresher on how to use it kind of thing? So. Yeah, exactly. We do. I do a lot of follow-ups for our respiratory cases, especially when we're, we know we're tapering something or coming off of a med or switching a med. I like to follow up with our clients just to see how things are going. Yeah. We do a lot of touch-ins like, Oh, Hey, how's the cough? And then Mm -hmm. like, they'll tell us and we're like, Ooh, go back up on blah, blah, blah. Or, Oh, it doesn't sound like that's working. We need to add in something else. So yeah, I, I agree. We, we follow up quite a bit with them too. I think our caution should just be handle with care. It's like those fragile packages (laughs) that you should just like, just handle with care. I think that's a good, yeah. (laughs) You know, when you're carrying them, you don't want to like be pressing on their chest too hard. You don't want to be manhandling. I mean, mind you, we shouldn't be manhandling any patient, but even when we're laying on our side to draw blood, um, we just want to be cautious as to like not putting our arms where we might normally and just being really gentle with our patients, have them laying on something soft. So that way we're not compressing any of their lung fields. Yeah. I, I, that, and I'm a big fan of flow by oxygen. Yes. I'm like, I don't know if you need it, but you seem to struggle a little bit less with it. So yeah. cool. Have it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the tip of the week. I am a big fan of what Jordan was talking about, which is offering, I guess your your pre yearly pre-screen options, including potentially having some chest x-rays. So giving that option to a client, because not everybody's gonna want to do it, but giving them the option, I think is is a good thing. Well, and I think so. knowing how to explain though that like, yes, we don't foresee a problem right now. And yes, Fluffy seems healthy right now, but in case something were to ever change in Fluffy's future it's nice to have healthy x-rays or healthy yeah, blood work. And I was going to say, and, and explaining what the comparison, what the benefit of having comparison things mm-hmm. is, because, it, you know, they may not understand why you want to do it if they're healthy, but if you explain to them kind of why that might benefit the patient long-term, I think, yeah, I think that's, exactly. a, that's a good idea. And, and you could talk to your doctor about it too, you know, maybe say, Hey, what would, what do you see the benefits for these patients would be if we were to do this kind of a pre-screening kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. And even set like an age limit. So patients over the age of six, like let's start doing some yearly or bi-yearly like, Mm -hmm. uh, like screens just to make sure that their heart isn't enlarging or that they're showing some mild lung changes that we call old dog lungs or something like that. You know, it's just see if you can prevent things from getting too bad. Yeah, exactly. And then not knowing what their normal is, where even if they do just start with that mild cough, like we see in cats with feline asthma, sometimes we don't notice those 
lung changes like we normally would because we don't have a normal to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and I feel like so many people don't realize that a cat with hairballs potentially could be coughing. Yeah. Right. Instead of it being the hairball being the problem, it could actually be coughing. That's kind of the primary thing. So yeah, you could potentially catch some stuff before it gets too bad. Yep, exactly. And now for the question of the week. Uh, So our question this week is, did anything in this episode surprise you? And do you think you'll approach any of your patients a little bit differently now? So um, let us know if you, you know, have you dealt with asthma patients or, you know, chronic bronchitis pets? Um, So that, that you can definitely let us know in the question of the week. And then we'll put some resources. I, ha- I used quite a few from uh, the Merck event manual for this week. There was also um, VIN uh, DVM 360. If you guys haven't, you know, seen that. And then I think there's um, there's a proceedings or something like that. So we'll put those resources in the links. And of course, you know, this episode ties back quite a bit to some of our other episodes too. So mm-hmm. like the, the pneumonia one, the the just general respiratory and then the there's no such thing as normal vomiting in a cat right exactly <laughs> exactly all right anything else you can think of for this week i think that wraps it up um of cool. course if anybody has any questions concerns or statements that they want to let us know just reach out to us on facebook you can email us at podcast at internal medicine for um, we're always happy to talk to people or reply especially if you've seen something cool or if we said something that you don't quite agree with we won't get upset about it just let us know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah other than that i think that wraps this up so i look forward to talking to you all next week yeah, you guys keep getting your learn on. Um, join us in the Facebook podcast group. So internal medicine for vet techs podcast group. Um, that's kind of where most of our interaction is. And if you haven't joined the newsletter, um, definitely recommend that. So you have uh, access to the tech treasure drove where we have like the client handouts for nebulization and some other, other fun stuff in there. And then, um, you know, if you know someone who might like this podcast, definitely let them know. And I feel like it's starting to grow again because people's brains are at the point where they can process a little bit more again, right? <laughs> yeah. which is nice. Um, so hopefully, you know, you can share the love. <laughs> yes, definitely. All right, guys. Jordan, have a wonderful week. Take care of the kids. <laughs> yes. Let's let them out in the world so they get some of that energy out. And then um, we'll talk to everybody next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.